this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. We trust that you will enjoy today's message and that it will encourage you to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ our Savior. There's a war going on inside of you. And I can't fight that with you. Or for you. I can fight with you, but not for you. But God is here. His presence is here. Now lift your hands really high. And in so doing, you're saying, God, I surrender. Some of you can't fathom life without social media or severely curtailed. You can't fathom giving up the game. Some of you have been all day wrestling and justifying why it's okay for you. And God is on the other side speaking to you. And what I'm instructing you as the Lord is dealing with me is to say, let Jesus win. Let Jesus be the Lord. He's not just your Savior. He is your Lord. And you have to allow Him to take complete control. And with your hands lifted, this is the word to you. The calling that is on your life The anointing has not yet come. You don't see it just yet. The only thing you can see is the immediacy of what am I going to do without this? Or if I have to curtail this, I just, this, my whole life is wrapped up in this. But I'm here to tell you on behalf of the Lord, there's a call on the other side of this and an anointing that you've not yet experienced. There's greatness in His kingdom for you. The things He wants to use you to do that will come no other way unless you make Him Lord of all of this stuff. And you yield and surrender and submit to Him. I never said throw it away. I said yield to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Father, in this anointing, in this anointing that is here, Your Word says it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. And so Lord, with these yielded hands, with this presence here, this anointing, Break yokes of bondage to social media. Break it right now in Jesus' name. Break it to pornography right now. Break it to gaming right now. Break it, Lord God. Help your children as they surrender. And Lord, deep within, let an excitement start to well up with the anticipation that there's an anointing and a call that they've never experienced yet because stuff is in the way, but now we're clearing it out. And Jesus can come in and speak. Speak to your children now. Bless them for their obedience and surrendering as they've been wrestling with this all day, some people. They've been having discussions over lunch. They've just talked about it and talked about it. Now let them surrender and and just solidify that Jesus is going to have control no matter what. I've given it to Him. And I'm going to listen to His voice. And then most importantly, I'm going to obey Him. Father, bless Your children for doing this. Now give peace. Holy Spirit, You are the Comforter. Jesus, You are the Prince of Peace. Give that to Your children right now. Whatever sins have been repented of, whatever sins have been confessed, wash them away and throw them into the sea of forgetfulness now to be remembered no more. And let freedom come. 
Let liberty come. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom from bondage. In Jesus' name. Now let's give Him a big clap of praise and thanks. For what he's doing. Jesus' name. Let's, let's show some honor to this worship team tonight. How awesome are they? You, you can take your seats. And while they're helping me to um, hook up all of my nerd stuff up here, I just want to thank Pastor Henny for being so gracious. Do you love your pastor? How awesome is this man of God? I want to thank our hosts at the bed and breakfast, uh, Karen and, and, and Peter, for having us in. It was awesome. You know, she was... i got to tell the story. This woman right here was robbed, and somebody broke, smashed the window, came in to steal her whatever in her car, and she knocked his teeth out. <laughs> I love you. It's so cool. <laughs> well... Um, can I ask you something? How many of you actually enjoyed what you heard this morning, even though it might have been a little hard? Thank you. That's great. How many of you were not here? You haven't heard me speak yet. Raise your hand if you're not yet. Okay, because I just need to know where to take this. Um, I'm temporarily out of prison. And, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. Um, what I'm going to do is, is show you some videos from YouTube. These are car commercials that come from... Washington D.C. near where we live, and these are so, these were so wildly popular that it took me about a week to realize what they were even advertising as we were laughing. But I'm showing them to you for two reasons: one, I want you to enjoy this; just also to show you I'm not against YouTube. The other thing is I want to, in a few minutes, review for some of you, and it'll be new for others. I want to show you what goes on inside of the brain when we look at screens. Uh, when you hopefully not snort cocaine or if you ingest drugs, it all works the same in the brain. So when we look at these big screens or the, these tablet-sized screens or these, chemical changes we now know take place and neural circuitry is altered. Now, it's called neuroplasticity. It can work for good. It can work for bad. We haven't, I don't think, pushed our boundaries yet tonight. So I want you to enjoy Trunk Monkey. I have three of these for you. For those of you that I haven't had the privilege of meeting, obviously... Uh, I'm from the U.S. Occasionally somebody will call me a Yank, to which I tell them, no, I'm a Confederate, and calling me a Yank is the equivalent of swearing at my wife. And that's not nice. Uh, we come from this very rural area called the Shenandoah Valley, and uh, we live about two and a half hours uh, drive southwest of our nation's capital of Washington, D.C. My wife, Beth, is with me. She used to be our worship leader for several years at our church at home. But uh, we are on a six, we, we average six months out of the country each year. And uh, that's the case this year. This microphone is getting really loud. Thank you. I love you. Um, and, but, and then when I'm in the U.S., I'm gone perpetually around the U.S. But this is where we live. This is our backyard. And so we don't live near very many people. So I might act a little strange from time to time. I get cut off now. Uh, but some of our hillbilly ways, I'm, I'm a hill William, which is a high-class hillbilly. Um, but this is the sort of stuff I do. <laughs> and uh, amen. How many of you love guns and meat? Oh, yeah. Now, as I've been saying, this is Africa, so I'm not about to brag about our wildlife, okay? But this is the only thing we have different from you. I was out 
trout fishing one day, and this big bear walks out on me. And so I had one foot in the truck or the bucky, and one foot on the trigger, and I had a camera in my hand. And I was praying, dear Jesus. And fortunately, he walked off back up the mountain, and I didn't have to shoot anything. Uh, but people ask me, are they dangerous? What's a bear? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's why I had one finger on the trigger. Uh, but but we spend quite a bit of time in Australia, so I like to shoot. It's like hunting big rabbits, like doing, doing, doing. So I like to shoot kangaroos. What well, people? Some people got especially. Oh, okay, like, oh. <laughs> so it depends on how you think about it, I guess. Uh, but I'm very honored to be in your nation. It's our second, third year of coming here, and I can't now count the amount of times I'm in and out. I'm part of UNISA part of their Bureau of Market Research and Neuroscience. And you're thinking, but you shoot stuff. That, that kind of doesn't go together. Uh, how can you be educated and own guns? Well, <laughs> I don't know. It's just how we are. Um, but here, I'm very thankful. I've been on uh, Carte Blanche, and they have uh, wor- I've worked with them on a show called Digital Fix. And uh, very honored. I, I was on another show um, that they did called Digital Rehab. I never saw it. I wasn't here. But they used footage from the first show. And um, then I understand in December they run the year's top shows, and the Digital Fix segment was number one for the year. And so I'm very honored that God has done this because a lot of people need help. A lot of people are strangely drawn to this message, even though it's counterculture. It's God trying to rescue a generation. Uh, Some of the things that I do in America, I speak nationally, uh, a number of issues. I work with the Assemblies of God and Oral Roberts University in education in the Christian realm. I work in secular as well as Christian. I'm going to wait for these guys because you're disturbed. Just, just hurry up. <laughs> Everybody's staring at you. How's it feel? <laughs> they stare at me too, but I. But on a national level, uh, I speak for the Iron Sharpens Iron National Men's Equipping Conferences. And I only say that because I have a real heart to see men, to have revival amongst men because we we men are are who God has chosen for whatever reason, as doofus as we can be, um, to lead. And we have a bad problem with pornography where we are mistreating the ladies. And... We are not praying as we should, and so God is raising up various men. I had a great time with the guys here last night, and uh, there was receptivity to the move of God and what I'm doing anyway. I'm very honored. As I mentioned, I'm part of, the, of UNISA. I speak in Microsoft mentoring schools. Uh, I'm getting ready to go to a different one in Australia in a few months' time. Working, there's been a lot of unintended consequences with all of the supersaturation of technology, and so that's what I deal with is neuroscience. And I've written a couple of books about this, Digital Cocaine, and there's a DVD over here. What's God's take on this? I look to the Word of God for everything. I believe that the Word of God, the Bible, is the inerrant, infallible, God-breathed Word from heaven, and it is the final authority for all faith and conduct. If you believe that, would you say amen? Amen. I don't always like what the Word says, but I I choose to submit to it because it's God speaking. I have a friend who writes for Crossway Books. I'm an author. He writes for Crossway Books. And we were in Cape Town, and uh, he wrote this book they were touting called Ten Things I Wish Jesus Would Have Never Written. And he come off the podium, and I looked at him and I said, Dude, I just counted 32. 
10, gee, Jesus is counterculture. And it's becoming more and more difficult for some people to follow him because of the radical things that he, he teaches us. But this is the Apostle Paul, and, and he's writing about the issues of life, and I believe it encompasses technology. He says, look, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by it, controlled by it, or addicted to it. And that's the issue. Now with technology, with brain science, more specifically functional magnetic resonating imaging, if you know what an MRI is, Functional magnetic means you can now see in real time. So what you do is you put somebody in the tube, the MRI, and you show them Google and let them Google, or you show them pornography, or you let them play video games, and you can literally see what's going on in real time. The gamers used to get upset when we say, it's addictive. It is not. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm a gamer, and I know. And that's like asking a Coke addict, is Coke addictive? Of course not. I can control it. Well, now with the scans, the only thing they can do is get mad because they look stupid if they argue with you. Of course it's addictive, and we can now see this. It's, it, it masters you. But just for those of you that don't know who I am, I have a computer science degree. is one of my degrees. So for those of you that might think, what do you know about technology? Well, I have a computer science degree, a little bit. So I want to show you, not much, but a little bit. So let me show you my desk at home. Um, that's one of them. Um, so I, I have probably more screens than you, so I do know a little bit. Um, and I have a lot of phones. I probably know how to use them better than you. I don't know. We could have a competition or something. But that's not why I'm here. I'm here to talk about the brain health, the spiritual health related to these. That's why I'm here, not to debate you with technology, although that would be fun. But that's not why I'm here. Now, this morning I showed you this poster. Many More doctors smoke camels than any other cigarette. This is from 1946. I showed you the TV commercial that goes along with this. At one time, people thought smoking was safe. We then learned that the tobacco industry had hired research scientists to figure out what was going on with tobacco. They realized it was addictive, and so they secretly took that away, that, it, that research, and then they hired doctors to smoke in front of us so that we would all think it's safe, and they've made a lot of money doing this. And then Jeffrey Wigand went on 60 Minutes and uh, exposed this whole thing, and now it's illegal to advertise cigarettes. More uh, currently, I uh, want to talk to you about our gridiron, or NFL, a cluster of about 91 players have committed suicide, had dementia and Alzheimer's, and beating their wives in extreme anger. And the question started to be asked, is there a link between these concussions and this anger dementia that the NFL is experiencing in this large cluster? And, of course, the doctors with the NFL are like, no, absolutely not, not a shred of evidence. And eventually what happened... Um, a very brilliant man from Nigeria by the name of Dr. Bennett Amalu, a forensic pathologist, was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, when one of these NFL players who was very well-known committed suicide. He examined and did the uh, autopsy on his brain and discovered a very odd protein in the brain that could only be um, caused by concussions. And so then the NFL finally admitted they knew all along. And now we know that Chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE, is a very real phenomenon, and a movie's been made about this called Concussion, starring Will Smith. And the parallel that I'm trying to draw from you with all this Dr. Bennett Amalu, the tobacco industry, and all the documents now that the NFL has come forward with is that as someone who has been part of the technology industry, I'm here to tell you that this works off of addiction, just like cigarettes. That's why people will stand in line for three, four days in advance of an, a release of a new iDevice and camp out 
to be the first to get it. It works off of literal chemical addiction. That's why when you don't need a new phone, but one's released, you can't help yourself. You'll go buy one. And that's why in video game, uh, the, the billboards around Johannesburg and Pretoria advertising the latest video game and the release date. It gets people charged up with dopamine and the addictions kick in and people will, their whole lives will center around that. And it's no secret to the industry. That's how they make money. It's off of our addiction, our being mastered by these things. Does that make sense? And we know this from fMRI technology, baselines of dopamine, all this. It's just not a big secret. So while there is not yet a warning label like there would be on cigarettes, I'm here to tell you, warning. And so to review from this morning, I was at lunch. I secretly recorded someone from Generation Z or Z and the millennials. And this is ubiquitous. We all see this. I'm just drawing your attention to it to show you and teach you what the dangers are. About a 13, 14-year-old with his head buried in the screen, I pan over and his millennial mom the same way. They stayed that way the entire hour. So a lot is now has been written in the scientific community. That's how I approach this. Not fully from a psychological perspective, although that's helpful, I tend to deal with science and facts. Newsweek has done a great service, I believe, to the world by writing extensively about this issue as well. They gave it a term, you know, iPhone, iPod, iPad, iCrazy. And here's a young person cracking up, and the head subheadline there says, Panic, Depression, Psychosis, How Connection Addiction is Literally Rewiring the Brain. Uh, UNISA flew me over here in April to keynote at their biannual national youth uh, conference on where they release their statistics from the previous two years of study. They asked me to stay on to have a collaboration, an ongoing collaboration with their Bureau of Market Research and its Neuroscience Department. And so we're in the middle of three studies now on traditional drug abuse and use amongst youth, bullying and cyberbullying, and then pornography. And so we're looking at some of this. And I want to describe to you verbally where we're coming from with addiction. So I want to describe to you traditional drug addiction. Some of you may have had a problem with alcohol drugs and you've experienced what I'm going to describe. Some of you might be mental health workers or doctors here and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Basically what happens, let's say you go to a party and the drugs are flowing, the alcohol is flowing, and you go to these parties because you want to experience a mania effect or a high. So the party's over, Monday rolls around, you got to go back to work, school, whatever you're doing, and when you come down and you hit the depressive stretch, uh, your body builds up a bit of resistance and tolerance to that drug such that the next time you go to a party, you have to ingest a bit more to achieve the same level of mania. And then you come down off of that high and your body builds up a bit more resistance such that you have to do even more of the drug or the alcohol. And you might even have to switch to something stronger to achieve the same level because your body builds up this resistance. So that's what addiction is, that constant repetitive, got to do it harder, longer, more intensely to achieve the same level of mania to over, by overcoming that resistance that builds up. That makes sense? Some folks out at the university, uh, the UCLA and their uh, human behavior and neuroscience department started to study the brains of us who use computers a lot. I'm not talking about just the gamers and those who look at pornography. I'm talking about people such as myself who sit in front of screens, like you saw at my desk, where I was not doing anything naughty. I was not looking at porn videos. I was making television shows for, for our local division of Focus on the Family. And I still experience this. So when they started to monitor the brains to figure out what was going on because of the unintended consequences and some of these anxiety disorders, this is what they discovered. The computer is like electronic cocaine. It fuels the exact same cycles of mania followed by those depressive stretches. 
It's classic addiction because addiction is addiction. The only difference is, is the delivery mechanism. Coke is normally ingested through the nose. It gets into the bloodstream. It's an extreme stimulant. When it hits the brain, it releases a neurotransmitter that excites the brain in an area called the nucleus accumbens, and it releases dopamine, large quantities. When you look at a screen and it gets stimulated by the haptic uh, and tactile nature of the screen or a video game or whatever is causing the stimulation, it goes directly into the eyes. It gets interpreted right in the back of the head in the occipital lobes, and it stimulates it, and guess what gets released in large quantities? Dopamine. Addiction's addiction. That's why it fuels the exact same cycles of mania followed by depressive stretches. That has led to a condition that used to only exist in three groups of people, schizophrenics, people with major depressive disorders, and severe drug addicts, and now anhedonia is found in epidemic numbers in children around the world whose parents use these as babysitters. Now, no parent that I know of ever set out to cause anhedonia in their children. I'm not accusing anyone. I'm just I'm, I'm reporting what the findings are for the purpose of helping. So anhedonia is found also in large quantities in people, especially who get addicted to porn. They start to have a personality change. They get numb, and that's what this is. It's a numbing of the pleasure center in the nucleus of the brain. And this book is all about this. It's called Thrilled to Death, and it's subtitled How the Endless Pursuit of Pleasure is Leaving Us Numb. So visually, here's how, in review, this is how addiction works. Deep in the middle of the brain in that area, not on the surface, but in the middle is the nucleus accumbens, or in layman's terms, it's the pleasure center. When I showed you Trunk Monkey, I caused a release of dopamine by you looking at that screen and it flooded into your nucleus accumbens, it stimulated you, and it manifested itself in laughter. There's nothing wrong with that in small quantities. The issue with dopamine is the quantity. Dopamine is necessary for learning. But when you get too much, it stresses the brain, it's highly toxic, and it's addictive, and we like it. So what the brain does, the more we do any activity, a drug or a screen or whatever it is, the brain fights back by building a dopamine barrier. Now look, technically it's a chemical barrier around the nucleus accumbens that's trying to neutralize it, but for the sake of simplicity, because I work with children as well, I did the animation with a wall that continuously grows because it's called the dopamine barrier. ran this past some scientists and doctors and got the thumbs up to say, yeah, this is accurate, just to make sure. Because people like to criticize but I have the thumbs up. So to those who like to criticize, now I go. So, wall gets tall. We do the activity longer and harder because we don't like to be cut off. Catch-22 is the brain just keeps trying to defend itself so the wall gets stronger. That's what addiction is. That constant repetitive, got to do it longer, harder, more intensely to try to overcome that resistance that builds up. Does that make sense? Here's what anhedonia is. Anhedonia is the next step in the progression. This is when you keep pushing it, and eventually the wall gets so strong that it becomes nearly impossible for you to do the activity enough to penetrate the barrier. And when that happens, burnout in the nucleus accumbens. Numbness. Translation, boredom with everything. In children, boredom with everything. And I want to walk you through and pick it up at this point and keep going. I talked to you this morning about the cutting and how epidemic that has become in the last two and a half to three years. 70% of these large audiences that I speak to all over the world will raise their hands that they know someone who cuts. It's hidden. People, There's a misnomer about it. Ad, adults will say, oh, the kids just do that for attention. 
The reality is the numbers are off the charts and the adults don't know. And so what I do in audiences like this, the teachers will all be sitting around and the psychologists and, and the mental health workers will all be sitting around the periphery and I'll say, how many of you know somebody who cuts? 70% of the hands go up and all the adults around the edges are going, because it's hidden. It's, it's been legitimized as a coping mechanism in their generation. And I come along and I'm not their parent I'm kind of like their crazy redneck uncle from the mountains of Virginia. And they like me. It doesn't mean they're going to do what I say, but they like me. So they'll come up and pull their sleeves up, pamphlets, and show me. And I'm glad they do. And you should open your doors for them to do that for you because it's the only way they're going to get help is by talking and exposing it. They need a safe place to do that. And they need the grace and the love of God to be extended to them no matter what they've been doing. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to agree and endorse sin. I'm not saying that. Just saying the step to being forgiven and healed is for them to open up and confess. Sometimes they need a human because they don't understand the Jesus thing yet. Do you understand? But ultimately, you've got to lead them to Jesus because He's our mediator. So, in my world, lots of research, lots of sites. Here's one such chronicle of doctors that do, about, uh, do this. Internet addiction, it's called Internet Addiction Disorder. It changes the brain similar to cocaine. Uh, social media does it. Brain scans show how Facebook and cocaine addictions are the same. Uh, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You don't want to believe it, but you, something in you is going, so this is why I check constantly and I really don't want to because I just check. And you laugh because there's truth in that. And there are names for this. On and on this goes. Brains of excessive gamers similar to addicts. One counselor and therapist was trying to quantify this. We know that it releases large quantities of dopamine. It's just like cocaine. So he said, okay, how many hours of gaming would you have to play in order to equal one line of cocaine? Two hours. Now, he got in trouble because he didn't have a double-blind study to back him up. He was, he was just saying of all these young adults your age that he counsels, uh, we know this. It's, no, it's not disputed how much dopamine gets released. He was just trying to give you some sort of measure. And my anecdotal experience is identical to that. About two hours, they've generated enough dopamine that they've got the high of one line of coke. In the, in the high that it produces. I was uh, keynoting at Global Youth Forum in South Korea. South Korea is the most wired nation on this planet. South Korea... Just to kind of give you some perspective, the average download speeds in this country now, I have found to be around 5 megabits. Just so in case you're not a nerd, I don't want to bore you with the megabit and the megabytes and all this sort of stuff. I'll just use round numbers. Uh, fiber optic is coming in to uh, South Africa. They promised you the moon, but really you're only getting about 50 when you should be able to get a gigabit. <laughs> They've sold you a bill of goods because you don't know the numbers. But anyway... Let's just say you're getting right now, and it's going to increase soon, and uncapped is going to come to your nation. And that's when things are going to really get bad here. That's when it got bad in all the other nations. When uncapped, unlimited, like at my house, I have, you have five download here. I have 185, okay? And it's uncapped. So the pornography usage went through the roof because now you can watch uh, binging on Netflix through the roof. Series. All these psychological problems with Hulu and Netflix and uh, you know all, Roku and all this. Now in South Korea, they have five here, 185 at my house. They have 2,000 
in South Korea soon to go to 10,000. They're getting ready to go to 10 gigabits. Internet speed. I would like to have a gigabit just on my home network. I have theoretical gigabit, but I'm only getting about 600, right? So for those of you that do the nerd stuff, you know what I'm talking about. They promise you the moon, but then they don't deliver. They overpromise under deliver. But in South Korea, it's not true. They're delivering. So, their gaming community sprung up, and I asked kids in these auditoriums all over the world, how many of you game against the South Koreans? And their hand, they go, yeah. And I said, how many of them, they kick your butt, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's because they've been doing it longer. So they've had the problems longer. And so South Korea now has 200 digital detox rehabilitation centers scattered across their small country. I'll take you inside of one of the emergency boot camps in a few minutes and show you what it looks like. Um, China has 300 of them, and when I was doing working with carte blanche they worked with the chinese uh, web junkie documentary people and showed inside of the, the the chinese boot camps and and the seriousness of what's going on so as we catch up in america and south africa and australia and europe as we catch up with the south koreans we're starting to see the exact same we have the same problems but the, the numbers will grow does that make sense so basically what you see are these uh, south korean children they're reclined in their chairs they have their cushions and this Headline says a surge in digital dementia. This is Alzheimer's related. Not in the elderly, but in children being induced. So let's look at this. Doctors in South Korea are reporting a surge in digital dementia among young people who've become so reliant, mastered by, addicted to. their electronic devices that they start to forget things, little things like the phone number, the keypad entry. You know, here we have the keys. And in America, to get, you know, they have the keypads with the electronic. They, they can't remember five digits, that sort of thing. And so they began to look inside of the brain to figure out what was going on in these kids. And so they called this thing digital dementia. And it's a term coined in South Korea meaning a deterioration, physical deterioration in the cognitive abilities that are more commonly seen in people with head injuries. And yet these children have never bumped their heads. And then the psychiatric illnesses. So what I want to do is just show you a little bit of what happens. They have the 200 digital detox rehab centers, and they, they have three-year-olds in there they're detoxing. Britain has had its first four-year-old declared addicted to an iPad. But in South Korea, three is, is an age that they start at, and then they have, it goes on up in the detox centers. But they have these emergency boot camps in South Korea and also in China, and it's kind of like this. Kid gets... Uh, addicted to gaming, parents don't know what to do, frustrates the parents to no end, so they they somehow get them into the camp, I, you know, trick them to get in the, hey, we're going to go for ice cream, and then they pull up at the camp and kick them out, and I don't know, but they, they get them into these camps, and so what I want to do, and this is just the beginning of the detox before the further uh, counseling happens in the detox center, so this is what happens in an emergency boot camp. In the remote and pristine mountains of South Korea, Far away from the country's high-tech cities, teenage internet addicts come for a cure. 18-year-old Kyle Wan's addiction is out of control. He spends 10 hours a day on the internet. Kyle was top of the class, but now he's dropped out of his final year of school. He's become aggressive and angry towards people. He used to listen to us, but now he doesn't. Kyle's smartphone is taken away and then a goodbye to parents and to cyberspace. I'm really worried because I won't have my phone, but I trust other things will fill my time. 
The boys live in for 12 days, and every day starts with exercise. The councillors encourage human interaction to get them socialising again. Many only have online friends. I have relationships on the internet, and a real distance has grown with my actual friends, and I know it's a problem. One of the basic ideas here is to rebuild connections back to the real world and weaken ties to the virtual one, to recapture a childhood lost to the computer. South Korean psychiatrists are urging more action, as too much screen time damages developing brains. It affects the frontal lobes, which are important for critical analysis. The camp may not be a cure, but after just two days, Kyle says it's helping. It's a step forward. I'm living without the internet, and I think it will have an impact on my internet usage. South Korea is the most wired nation on earth, and it's learning to manage and moderate its high-tech future. Matthew Carney, ABC News, South Korea. Now, there are some terms that are being bantied about that are actually real, but I want to say something. In the West, particularly in Australia and America, the Americans have this manual that's called the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. This is what doctors and clinicians use as a diagnostic criteria to diagnose and then treat. In the West... The countries who use our diagnostic manual, uh, they have a little bit of a problem, unlike the Asians. Uh, we do not recognize internet addiction disorder. Now, I do, and the doctors I certainly work with do, but you're hard-pressed to diagnose out of fear because it's not official. And so there's a line that says a lot of work is being done in Asia and uh, internet addiction disorder is worthy of study later. That's all they'll say. So you got all these children... We don't know why they won't acknowledge it. I have theories. My theory, and it's a theory, is that our economy now in America is no longer manufacturing-based. We've shipped all of that off to China and India. We have a digitally-based economy, so there's a fear of getting people unaddicted because it would hurt our economy. Now, that's my theory. But nobody said that. That's just me talking, and I'm, you know, I guess George Bush calls 9-11. I don't know. It, it could be a conspiracy. I don't know. But what I can tell you is it's not... Legitimized, but in Asia it is. And so the government has put all this money into treatment. And so a lot of our solid neuroscience research comes out of Asia. And the Americans are doing great research as well. It's just hard to get people to pay attention because of the, the DSM 5 doesn't recognize it. But there are real anxiety disorders. This is called FOMO, and this is germane to social media users. You will recognize this. This is the 13-year-old and his uh, millennial mom at the table at that restaurant have their heads down. This is a fear of missing out. Mom's probably on Pinterest or on Facebook, and he's probably on Snapchat or Kick Messenger or WhatsApp. And they won't bring their heads up because these conversations are going. They're involved, and they're afraid that people are talking about them. And you get these drips of dopamine, and they have this anxiety of not knowing what's going on. So they get addicted to those drips of dopamine, so their head stays down. That's called FOMO, a fear of missing out. About 56% of social media users have it extremely bad. And then there's nomophobia, which is a fear of going without your phone. And this could include getting out of coverage or running out of data or your battery going flat. And you have an anxiety of, of not 
being with this for whatever reason. Now, you can be bonded to this, and I'll describe to you in a few minutes how this works. I mean literally bonded. Uh, some people call this, being, that this, they say this has become an extension now of themselves. It, it, it's, it's identical if you were to go up to a mom with a, a newborn and try to get that baby out of her arms and the anxiety that that would create. If you do that to a child and you take this away from them, they have the exact same reaction. I'll show you that in a minute. So nomophobia. Uh, this, the numbers on this are even higher. 66% of people are terrified of being without their phone. And here's the disturbing thing. The younger you are, these numbers soar because of an underdeveloped brain that's very fragile. And this is where it gets particularly dangerous in children. But it's dangerous in adults as well. Now, I want to show you an extreme example of someone that I believe has both FOMO and nomophobia. This is an actual real wedding video. And it's an extreme case. It's not the norm, but it's becoming the norm. Now, watch this video. She takes the phone to the altar with her. Have you ever been with someone and their phone is there, and no matter how deep the conversation is, if it buzzes, they are going to grab the phone? Do you understand? We have one confession of sin here. Anybody else would like to confess? Thank you, Stephanie. Stephanie, it's just great. Get, it, no, no, it was... It, he suddenly realized. He also has Tourette's. Anyway, I was kidding. I, I've been asked, I've been asked, is that the dad giving her away or is that the groom? I, I think it's the groom. And I think he probably got her off the internet. <laughs> And I think he needs a refund. Their marriage is in trouble and it hasn't even begun. I'm serious. Now, let me kind of describe to you what I'm talking about. This is, I don't know if you've ever heard of, of what's called neuromarketing. Uh, they do this at UNISA to generate income. I was hooked up to the machines myself. Um, basically, what you try to do is you try to figure out how people think so that you can market to their brains to generate brand loyalty and the greatest example of brand loyalty is this uh, I will say in an audience of nerds and of uni students like this I will say this Surface Pro is better than any Mac that has ever been invented and instantly I get reactions like that <laughs> now I'm being totally cheeky but I say that but brand loyalty will kick in and I'll have guys go huh -uh, instantly and I'll say you got more of Mac in you than you do Jesus. I'll tell them that. You do. You got more Mac in you than you do Jesus. And I own Macs. I go into Apple schools as well. I do. I got. I was in Las Vegas last month, uh, not gambling and buying prostitutes, not even Christian prostitutes. I was there preaching in churches. Okay. I know, I, I tell people I was, I was in Las Vegas ministering, you're like, oh, oh, uh There's a massive Christian community there. Anyway, this Christian school uh, brought me in, it's like the second or third year, and the principal said, look, we've got all this money, we're getting ready to buy a bunch of Macs and Apple, we've been working with Apple, Would you, I, and I don't understand what these guys are selling me, would you go and get between us? Yeah, I'm happy to. So anyway, I went and they were telling lies. <laughs> and then I would, then they realized who I was and, <laughs> and it was fun. Anyway, uh, brand wash. Let me explain to you about this neuromarketing. They took 
16 people and gave them iPhones, eight males, eight females, and they begin to monitor over a two-week period their brains as they interacted with the iPhone. And basically what they discovered was is that at the ringtone, uh, as they begin to interact with the phone, they literally became bonded with their phone just like someone who would be bonded to their pet or to their boyfriend or girlfriend. They had the same chemical bonding as that. And so that's why you have anxiety when you start to take it away or your battery goes flat, FOMO, nomophobia. So they play on that to try to make the iPhones. They do market research to figure out how to make you interact with it more so that you become more bonded with it. And what you do is you end up buying more data and buying more apps. Do you understand? That's what neuromarketing is. And I'm not, Unisa does it, not for Apple, but with various banks. When I was in there the day, they were doing one with uh, FNB, and they hooked me up to all the stuff, and I went through all the diagnostic tests to see and, and how all this stuff works. Fascinating. So, education. Any teachers here? Anybody in uni that's majoring in education of some sort? Anybody interested in education? <laughs> You don't like it either. Okay, not very many people. It's you from the mountains of Virginia too. <laughs> Just kidding. You know, we make fun of our neighboring state, West Virginia. There's Virginia, which is us, and then them, West Virginia. You know how you know that? You know how that we know that the toothbrush was invented in West Virginia. Had it been invented in any other state, they would have called it a teeth brush. <laughs> I have a bucket of those. Ask me later. I will entertain you. I work in education. And so a lot of work is being done on why when they introduce one-to-one laptop and tablet programs into school systems, why the grades go down and not up. And I consult with panicked schools. I've been in a couple Curo schools here and you know, the big education with the you've got to get this technology into the hands of these children while they're still in the womb. Otherwise, they're not going to be successful later and all this. So this is from a neuroscience perspective, why kids are getting stupider. And this is subtitled, How Texting, Facebook, Twitter, and Google are Creating Generation Clueless. So let's look. This is an actual x-ray of the human brain. And in the prefrontal cortex or the frontal lobe, that area right behind your forehead, some things were noticed about people who use the computer a lot. Most of us do in a work setting or in a pornography setting, a gaming setting. And I just want to show you what happens when you use it too much. You can see, I'm just going to point your attention down here. There is an erosion of the executive attention network. In other words, yes, there is clearly now a neuroscience link to attention deficit disorders of all types. Proven. Multitasking. Multitasking, when kids do this especially, their, their brains become hardwired for instant gratification. And what that means is they have anxiety when they're not constantly being stimulated. And they're bored with everything. In the amygdala, which is that walnut-looking thing there, that's what controls the basic emotions. Gaming causes a continued release of stress hormones, the fight-or-flight response. And that's fine in times of emergency because those chemicals, the epinephrine, norepinephrine, and adrenaline, it will dissipate rather quickly. But the problem with the games is it keeps those very same chemicals in the system perpetually and it alters the chemistry in the brain, giving you a chemical imbalance. And one of the spinoffs of many, we'll talk about this in just a few minutes, 
on the anger that many gamers experience, most of them. But in this particular case, and in education, we now know that it hampers cognition and it truly does alter the neural circuitry. Now, this is the crux of the whole thing. How many of you are good multitaskers? Raise your hand. It's not a trick question. You're a good multitasker. Okay, raise your hand really high. Don't, don't go like, oh, what's he going to do? Because I'm going to bag you out. Yes, but just raise your hand. Okay, just kidding. Now, chance down. I want to differentiate with you the type of multitasking that I'm talking about. Let's just say a mom has three children. And these children are going all through the house, rummaging, pillaging, and trying to burn the place down. And mom can manage this. And she can, she can do the dishes. She can answer the phone. Dad's on the couch. Because if dad had to do all of that, the children would, would die, right? <laughs> That's analog multitasking, and that will not hurt you. It'll make you very tired and worn out, but that's not going to hurt you. The kind of multitasking that I'm talking about is digital multitasking, where the device is going off, you got multiple tabs open, you got social media happening, and you're switching between all of that a lot. Make sense? That's the type that I'm talking about. Now, the truth of the matter is, this is what's been discovered. The brain cannot multitask. It is a sequential processor. It can only do one thing at a time. Here's the illusion. The younger you are, you can do this really quickly. You can switch between tasks, and you can do it so rapidly, it gives you the illusion that you can actually multitask, but you cannot. So what we've done is we have created an artificial environment, and some of you are thinking, I am the exception. And you know why you laughed? Because it's you. It's true. They did this out in... It, have you ever heard of MIT the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. This is where the brainiacs from the planet Smartron 3 go to school. And it's the highest IQs in the world. And they walked up to them. They had a lab ready. And they said, do you have the ability to multitask digitally? And they go, oh, yes, we do. And it would be really, uh, really sick to deny us that right to do that. You know, they, and they're really smart kids. They put them in the lab. And 60% of the data left them when they tried it. Now, that's the smartest of the smart. Most of us aren't that smart, so only Lord knows how much data leaves us when we do it. So what I want to do is illustrate. I was with uh, the uh, some of the neuroscience people at the University of Queensland. I was taking a professional development with them, and they gave us this poetry test, and I want to give it to you. For those of you that raised your hand and said, yeah, I'm a good multitasker, I'm not, I, I thought I could too, okay? I've had to change the way I think based on the truth as well, so I'm not, I'm not bagging you out. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a written poem on the screen. And I want you, for those of you that can multitask. Now, look, I'm not going to ask you to do three, four, or five things. I'm only going to ask you to do two. It's going to be easy because you can multitask, right? So I'm going to put the written poem. And then my wife, this is pre-recorded. She is going to read audibly a different poem. And what I want you to do is pay attention to both at the same time. And then I'm going to give you a comprehension test to see how well you do. Okay, so what I want you to do is focus. You ready? Focus. Do both at the same time. You ready? Here we go. My bones worn out. My body failed me when I harbored my sins. I found no pleasure in things I did. The world became very bitter for me. But I knew that. You watched everything I did. I couldn't open up my heart to you. My sins weighed heavy on me. I thought my sins were too big for you to comprehend. I searched and wandered about hoping to forget, but all that was in vain. How many of you started off trying to do that? Raise your hand. 
How many of you, pardon my grammar, quickly said, hey, this ain't happening? That's what most of us do. So how many of you did this? This is what I did. How many of you said, stuff it, I'm just going to focus on one? How many? Okay. Now here's the, here's, here's the problem. You told me you can multitask, so I'm testing you on both. So let's say you were clever, and you knew what I was going to do, and you said, I know what he's going to do. I'm just going to focus on one, ha, ha, ha. And let's say you scored a perfect score on the one that you focused on, but I'm testing you on both. What would be the maximum score you would receive on this comprehension test? 50%, but the problem is I'm testing you on both, so you failed. But while you were switching, you learned nothing. So by the time you switch to the one, if I were to give you a comprehension test, you would score 30 or 40%. So here's how school works with tablets and the like. Kid sits down to do maths. They have the phone there. Remember the wall that I showed you on the brain? There's a wall there. Maths generates this much dopamine. So you know it's coming, don't you? Ding! Dopamine levels rise. They get their fix. They're not totally irresponsible, so they go back. Dopamine levels drop. Brain says, why don't you just get to the next level of this? Parents yell out from across the house, are you doing your homework? Kid goes, sure. Evil creatures. This is called toggling. You know it as multitasking. Neuroscientists call it switch tasking because your brain cannot multitask. And as you do this, data leaves you. Grades go down with the school tablet in front of them doing their assignments because of this. I never said throw it away. It's how they're using it. Do you understand? There's a fix for this, and I'll show it to you, and you're not going to like it. Now, I want to digress for just a moment because we're doing the same thing to God. We find God boring because God generates this much dopamine. My wife, we have a very nice camera, and I have a zoom lens. She videotapes people whilst I am preaching in big churches. These people, if you were to ask them, why did you bring your phone or your tablet? They'll say, because my Bible app is on it. Technically, they haven't lied to you. But as a researcher, I want to know what they're actually doing. So she videotapes them for me, unbeknownst to them. So I want to show you one such example. Would you mind turning the audio down to this in the back? Get off of Facebook and turn the thing down. I made sure I knew where the exit was before I said it, because you're bigger than me. Everybody's bigger than me. Okay, so here's the go. Here's multitasking in action or switch tasking in church. Okay? Um, I'm just at the very beginning introducing myself, and the kid's already gaming. Okay? Because I'm boring. So Beth then sees a whole row of kids as she moves to a different part of the sanctuary, and there's a row of them. And they're multiplayer gaming. And so I'm well into the sermon by this point. And so they're uh, sitting here doing their thing, and they get all happy in a few minutes. One of them does something uh, good, and they do the high five here. And this guy back here is asleep. 
Because he's been up gaming all night, I suppose. And that's switch tasking in church. Because God is only generating this much dopamine. They've got a barrier in there, and so they need a fix. Do you understand what's happening? I was in uh, preaching in a big church in Pretoria on Sunday, and she went around and took pictures just like that of children. And what parents do, because they, they want the kids out of their hair, instead of the children paying attention to the worship and participating, they give them tablets because they get anxiety because church is boring, so they give them the tablets. And so all over the sanctuary, in many places, the kids are there playing their education games and while worship is, is going on. So they have no frame of reference of how to act in the house of God or to receive the Word of God or how to act appropriately and responsibly, so they're laying across the chairs with their games. I could show you those pictures too. Do you believe me? I have lots of these things. So we treat God the same way. So we need to be very careful about this toggling and multitasking or switch tasking because in the neurological world, now that it's been tested, here are the results. Lots of mistakes. Cognitive abilities do not go up. They go down. And this was the surprising thing. It's been linked because of this abnormal thing. Our grandparents never did this. They sequentially processed. Depression rates have shot up for many reasons. Not just this, but this is a big, huge contributing factor because it's so artificial to the brain. And of course, it takes forever to do your homework and in a business setting, productivity goes down, money goes down. And this is just one study of many. Multiple media use is tied to depression and those anxiety disorders. One study showed that the average time that it takes for a learner before they're distracted by one of these whilst they're doing their assignments is two minutes. So very little time. They'll tell their parents, well, I have to have the Internet. Um, and, and they may need it, but not near the, for the amount of time. Gamers, I want to talk to you about social video gaming. I'm not against and hate gamers. I'm against games, though. I'm against video games. And it's the only thing I will tell you you should throw away. I've watched it transform. 98% of our American households do it. I've watched it totally transform emotions. The brain scans are what I'm going on. But psychologically, we see it. Uh, pornography is number one, a destructive thing. People come to me, uh, ladies, constantly whose husbands are addicted to porn. And there's problems. And then followed closely by gaming. And the average age of a video gamer is 31. They're not teenagers. I call them losers. <laughs> I do. You're a loser. I'm just trying to jolt you into reality that by this time, 31, if you have children, your time should be consumed with providing for your family and raising those children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That's a full-time job by itself much less the four to six hours a night of gaming that you do, and God knows how long on the weekends. The Apostle Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I acted like a child, I spoke like a child, but when I became a man, I put childish things away. That's why I call you a loser if you're a gamer at the age of 31. Not because I hate you. I'm trying to jolt you into reality to grow up. Get your skinny jeans off and become a man. Any amens? You'll be talking about that one for a long time to come. 
you know what's going to happen. When this is over with, all the guys are going to be hiding behind the post when I walk. <laughs> Here's the big concern with the gamers. Now, with the multitaskers, the switch taskers, anxiety disorders. The gamers, extreme anger and rage. Children, it's very prolific. It's, it's, it's all over the place, and neuroscientists are very concerned. I want to show you a little piece from 60 Minutes from Australia and some of the brain work that's being done in children related to the gaming and screens. Oh, by the way, this has audio. Get off Facebook, turn the volume back up. You ready? Okay. The bad moods and the tantrums are almost like withdrawal symptoms. Correct. Do you agree with that? I agree totally, yep. It is. There is something about it that changes their brain. And Bianca's right. There is something happening in young, addicted brains. In early studies, Chinese researchers compared brain scans of average adolescent internet users to internet-addicted adolescents. In red, you can see the affected areas of the addict's brain, areas responsible for decision-making, emotions and self-control. Screen addiction distorts the same brain function as alcohol, drugs and gambling. So time and time again, various countries, the fMRIs are showing this, and it's very dangerous in children, okay? Now, I want to show you one section or one video from the section on YouTube called Freakouts. Anybody ever heard of the Freakout section on YouTube? Basically, what these kids will do, they'll hide a camera, and they'll aim it at somebody who's playing a video game. And so as the kid is playing the video game, right when they get ready to get to the next level, they'll pull the plug. And then the kid will have an instant detox effect. They think it's funny. But the kid will have a total freakout. Some of it looks demonic, like possession. I'm serious, and it could be. I don't know, but it looks like it. Um, but I stopped using teenagers because kids started to fake it. So you couldn't really tell the ones that were staged. From not, so I chose a child. So what I want to show you is a kid in the back of the minivan. The parents are using the game as a babysitter to keep them occupied, to keep them out of their hair on this long trip. And I want to show you what happens in this child uh, as they're on the trip. Now, I often get a response of people laughing at that. But that's brain damage. And I'm going to say what other people won't say. As you've already experienced from me, I will say things that other people won't say. But internally, you're going, thank God somebody's saying it. We're at critical, dangerous levels around the world. I'm saying it. If I never get invited back, I'll say it. I love you that much. I'm not trying to please man. I'm trying to please God here. Okay? So here's what will happen. Have you heard of neuroplasticity? That means the brain is malleable. It can change for good or bad. What I fear is that that child will start acting like that when he doesn't have the game in his hand because he, he has a brain rut. He starts to be wired for that. And then nobody likes that child, including his parents. All because of a game. Now, in defense of parents, most parents don't know that it's the game doing it. But now you know. So you need to become the entertainment now. You need to become the screen, and you need to fall in love with parenting because you're not going to have these children but so long. It's going to go by quick. 
fall, we need a revival of parenting. And the reason why parents get so, that people like me, but the reason why they get nervous around me when I say that you need to take the television away, you need to take the games away, is because they don't know how to parent. And so they've, and I'm not, I'm not judging you. I'm not. I'm trying to help. And I, I, I'm working with people to try to raise up parenting courses again. We used to run them in churches all the time, but we haven't been doing it in years. And we've got a total breakdown in the family. My parents divorced, okay? So I'm not mad at anybody. I'm trying to help. I'm just saying, as a result of not having proper family relationships, God is visiting us and saying, let me help you. Amen? That's, that's why I'm here. But we have to address the issue to know what the issue is. So what they end up doing with these children is medicating them, numbing them in record numbers. Last thing I'll say about the video games. Any of you ever heard of Lumosity? Brain training games designed by neuroscientists. And if you subscribe to this, it will make you smarter. I got a hold of some research about two and a half years ago, 21 independent studies on Lumosity, and all 21 came to the exact same conclusion. No one ever got smarter. They only got better at the game. Three months ago, the Federal Trade Commission, this is the government wing in the U.S. that regulates advertising, they fined Lumosity $2 million for false advertisement because they had not one shred of scientific evidence to back up those claims. What I'm trying to tell you is, and the reason why I'm working with schools and schools are also nervous about me is because these games, even though they might be educational, are not making the children smarter. Analog is winning out every time. And I am a nerd with a degree in nerddom. I don't hate it. I am honest. I am being honest with you. If you're looking for things, if you have children, how many of you have children? So most of you are young adults, but a lot of, a lot of people have children. Let me, let me show you something. I'm only going to do one, one cyber safety thing. If you thought you were coming to a cyber safety thing, then I'm sorry, it's, it's been a brain thing. <laughs> but I do work with police, and I want to show you one thing. It's called the digital footprint. Ever heard of it? Nothing ever disappears, all this. I'm just going to show you one thing. I got called into a school because they were having trouble with Instagram. Facebook is losing 1 million teenagers a year, which is a, just a blip given that they have a seventh of the world's population on Facebook. But 1 million teenagers is a trend that they're paying attention to. So they bought Instagram because that's where they're all going. And what's happening is kids all over the world, have, their parents have been told by cyber safety experts, you should be engaged with your children's online lifestyle so get on Facebook, get on these social media sites, engage with them. And so they, parents have finally gotten comfortable with Pinterest and Facebook. And so it's not cool to hang out with mom and dad. So they, these evil little creatures, they keep their Facebook page and they post squeaky clean things so that they hear mom and dad say, I am engaged with my children and I know they're good. My child would never do anything evil ever because they're perfect. And then I come along and say they're evil. And so were you when you were that age. You just forgot. And, and, and you needed to be redeemed by Jesus, and so does that cute little package called a child that you have. So, Instagram. Um, this is what I did. I called a cyber friend of mine. Now, I happened to be, at the time I got called in, I was in South Africa, and this is a very bad selfie. This is a, 
This is, uh, I called this, my, one of my cyber officer friends and I said to him, Nigel, if you would please uh, take a, pull out your mobile and, and take a, a selfie. Now when I looked at that, I said, Nigel, Nigel, there's a caterpillar attacking your eyes. And it turned out he just needed to shave. <laughs> we pick on each other. But anyway, he takes this selfie and so it being Instagram, it's instantly, you know, posted. So what I did, I went to a hacking site made known to me by the police and I blotted out so the kids wouldn't know where I went. There's a bunch of these, but I went to one in particular and I am given the option of a Twitter name or an Instagram name. I do not know uh, his password, but I do know his Instagram name. So I typed his Instagram name in without knowing his password. And when I did that, I instantly uh, can see where he is in the world. And I happen to see that he is in real time. He's in Australia. And so I go up and I click this little dot, which represents the selfie that he just posted. When I do that, a picture of his house and his address instantly pop up on the screen. So... uh, if you are looking for things to trim that for your children or yourself, that might be a good thing to do. Uh, privacy settings, we undid the privacy settings, but there's all kinds of ways around this. Let's say a child texts a photograph that's geotagged to their friends and then they post it. doesn't matter what your privacy settings are. If theirs were not set correctly, they're still going to tag. Do you understand? A lot of people think, I'll turn off the GPS but they leave the Wi-Fi on. Wi-Fi also tags. People don't know that. So we've got a mess with pedophilia around the world tracking down children. It's a very dangerous world we live in. Um, But they get addicted to it. What I want to do is give you solutions now and take a few questions. Is that okay with you? Are you bored? You don't look bored. (laughs) Oh my God! They're going to show up at my house tonight! Ah! They probably won't. They show up and might not have a trunk monkey for that. It's the web edition. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about solutions. From the time a child, when a child is born, between zero and three, their brains will triple in size. Massive amounts of things happening. And they have, uh, at these ages, uh, massive, massive, massive things growing. These are called synapses. These little synapses are, are like sponges. Like if you want to teach a kid to be multilingual, that's when you do it. You can cram all the languages in there you want. They get them all mixed up. English will get mixed up with Afrikaans and French and German and all that sort of stuff. But then this amazing thing happens after their brains have finished being sponge brains because they're soaking in everything. The brain around these ages starts to go what we call modular. So their, their, their personalities start to mature. And you start to see what they're going to be like. And suddenly, their brain will automatically put the language in the right compartment. It's amazing. And at no other time will they ever get the accent perfect except this time. Brain scientists don't know why. You and I do. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. And whatever's going on at this age, only God knows. Anyway, now... I'm going to... Evil creatures, I'm telling you. I love teenagers. I do. I want to choke them, taser them, and hug them all at the same time. (laughs) It's funny, when I crack the taser joke and a mom has a a newborn, they get really offended at me. I'm offended. (laughs) By the time they're teenagers, like, you still have that taser? (laughs) Yes, you want the adult setting or the teen setting? The adult setting. 
Now, this is an article written about a book called The Big Disconnect by Catherine, Dr. Catherine Steiner Adair at Harvard. She did brain studies on children's brains. She, as far as I know, she's not a Christian or anything. I just want to tell you three of the conclusions of the eight. I'm going to give you three quickly. Don't ever put your baby in front of a screen, ever. They're not learning, even if it's education. They're being mesmerized chemically. Changes are taking place. Number two, same thing goes for toddlers. Now, I want to tell you a little story about Las Vegas as I was in a church, a Christian church, behaving myself, okay? I, I preach, I, I, I like preach sometimes six, five times in a day in Las Vegas. Lots of people there and churches, I mean, they, they, they work me to death. So on this particular Sunday morning, I had to preach three times on the Sunday morning. Basically what that meant was I had to preach twice at this one church, get in the car at exactly 1132, rush across town and walk right into another pulpit and start preaching. And so the pastor the day before made me practice with a GPS. So I would know where to go. I still got lost. But anyway, so I told this congregation, I said, look, I am very friendly. Normally I hang out and I'll talk as long as you want, but I don't mean to be rude, but at 1132, i got to say amen, grab my tablet, and i got to go to this other church and I explain to them, that's why I'm going to run out real quickly and I won't be able to talk to you, but we're having a, a parent meeting tomorrow night, and if you come, I'll stay as long as you want talking. So anyway, I preach, and then 1132, I said amen, I grab my tablet, and this lady, as I'm walking out the door, this lady gets up on this side of the congregation, she stands up, and she runs around in front of everybody chasing me, going, excuse me, excuse me, i got to talk to you. And I was annoyed, but I didn't show it. I did the Christian thing. And I said, ma'am, I'm really sorry. I've explained to you. I've got to go, but tomorrow night I'll talk to you all you want because I am pretty friendly. And she goes, I've got to talk to you now. <clears throat> okay, yes, ma'am, how can I help you? She goes, um, does TV count? Now, she was having an anxiety attack because she didn't know how to parent her kids and she had relied all of her life, and I'm, I'm being compassionate. Just saying, I'm telling you the truth because it will free you. She, she had an anxiety. She was having anxiety because I was in her mind. I was taking the babysitter away, and then she was thinking, "Oh my God, what am I going to do with this child? I don't know what to do." That's what I suspect, because that's what happened. So, because of this lady, I had to add this next slide, and they actually put it on carte blanche. Yes, your television is a screen. It does the same thing. Then the last thing, some children have horrible, horrible problems because their, their, their generation millennial parents are addicted and they never spend time with them. And to illustrate this, I had this happen twice to me. Two grade four girls came to myself and a police officer I was with. One stood up in front of all of her peers and she said, looked up at the police officer and said, Sir, would you please come to my house and take my mom's cell phone away. She's always on Facebook and she never spends time with me. And she was sincere. I wanted to hug that girl and take her home. Do you understand? I mean, it just it sticks with you. Over a phone, that's exactly what's happening. Catherine Steiner dares done research about what's going on in there. Now, do you understand I'm helping you right now? I'm giving you things you can do. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? I'm giving you things you can do. I'm being very practical. These are doable things. And they're actually Christian things to do. Because, because you remove these obstacles, then you become the screen, and then you can talk to them about Jesus. Regarding multitasking, everybody say these words with me, please. I want to teach you new terms. Say unitask. 
Say monotask. This is going to have to become part of our vocabulary and the way we behave. That means we do one thing at a time. So when you sit down to do your maths or your children sits down to do their maths or whatever you're doing at university or whatever you're doing in your office, you substitute. When you start with maths and you end with maths and you do not do anything else and you don't have a phone switched on at all, you do not have any tabs open, you're not constantly checking email, you don't even have it on vibrate because if this thing vibrates, the same stress hormones will get released even if you do not answer it. You'll have anxiety knowing that something and somebody's trying to get you. Do you understand? And it'll take you about 21 days to detox. Well, that's true. So you're going to kind of go nuts for a while. So are your kids, and they'll drive you nuts. So you got a double whammy problem, but just hang in there and get through it. Keep the taser handy, whatever you got to do. Now, so when you're finished with maths, you don't check social media for a brain break. Think analog. Remember that word? When I was in South Korea, uh, the school that I was at, they had completely taken, they had reversed, they had completely taken technology out of the school and banned it. And it was amazing. These children could look at you in the eye, shake your hand, hold conversations with you. And I heard them saying, we must do analog. We must do analog. And I'd go up to them and I'd hug them and say, that's right, you must do analog. That's right. They say, I write, I write your accent. I write yours too. <laughs> and it was great to interact with these kids. They were, they, were, they were mature. They were lovely. They loved God. It was just great. But they had detoxed. And so can you and so can your kids. So then you move on to the next subject. I've already talked to you a little bit about Facebook and Instagram. I'm not a fan of, of, of having too much of this stuff. I use Facebook sparingly. And if, if I ever get addicted, my, my wife and the Holy Spirit will let me know. And I will obey. I will. Because I've been addicted before and I, I know to listen. She's my help me. I know when to listen to her now. I used to resist and we'd argue. And then finally I realized, man, man let me help you and give you some premarital counseling let me, if you're married, let me give you some free marital counseling, okay? I want you to repeat after me, men, okay? And I don't want you to be a sissy here. I don't want you to have lace on your own. I want you to say this with gusto. You ready? I am wrong. You ready? I am wrong. Okay, say it again. You ready? I am wrong. Now, you keep, you keep saying that over and over, and your marriage will be fine. And the lady said... And in America, they're waving hankies at me. Yes, Lord! Yes, Lord! <laughs> now, the only reason I left angry birds up there is so that you would continue to listen to me. If I were you, in all sincerity, I would never, ever, ever introduce video games in my home. Ever. For those of you that have already done it, you've got some reversing to do, and you're you're in for a challenge. You can do it, but you're in for you're in for a massive challenge because it's cocaine addiction at a deep level. So let me give you this thought to help you, and I'm being very sincere when I give you this instruction. 
The name of my book is what? Digital Cocaine for Scientific Reasons, not Metaphorical Reasons. Understand? If you are trying to help someone who is addicted to cocaine to detox, you would not say to them, now look, you just need to balance out this cocaine usage. Now look, we don't want to go over the top and quit. I mean, after all, we need cocaine. So just back off. But when it comes to technology, people will throw out this word to me. They'll go, oh yeah, I understand we need balance. I know where we're headed with that. And I'll go, well, what is balance? Well, just, I don't know, not doing it quite as much. Well, that ain't good enough. Pardon my grammar. But let, me, let me give you an illustration of what balance, what I'm talking about with balance, based on science. Not what seems right. There's a verse that says, there's a way that seems right to man, but it ends in death. So let me tell you the truth, because if you know the truth, what will the truth do for you? It will set you free. Okay. Scales. Fulcrum. Pants. We typically think when they're equal uh, levels, that's balance. And traditionally, that's correct. Not so with brain balance. Where we are now, and this pan is digital, this pan is analog, this is where we are. People think we need to back off and get about here. In an adult... It needs to be here. You only have about enough brain reserve for about 20% of your day to be with digital before you get on overload and a wall goes up. And in a child, it's none. It's instant. That's balance. I call it eye balance. I coined that term. That's on the cover of my book. I call it eye balance. That's what it is. That's the truth. Some of you are having anxiety right now at the thought of those scales. I'm not being funny. That means you are addicted. But you are not permanently damaged, I don't think, yet. Do something about it now, and especially with the little ones. Monotask, unitask. Everybody say monotask. Unitask. This is something that you can do right now. You can remove all technology from your bedroom and your children. Yesterday, I was, uh, last weekend I was working with some tech guys on some various issues, AV guys in the church, because I do AV, you saw my desk. That's a control center for a TV studio in my house. So we were out at Starbucks. For some reason, everybody's enamored with Starbucks. We have them on every corner. We roll our eyes at Starbucks. Here, they're out the door going, oh. Anyway. We're at Starbucks, and one of the AV guys, there was a bunch of us sitting around, and he was sitting there, and he was a very sincere guy, and he looked at me, and he goes, oh, okay, what am I going to do? And I said, okay, um, uh, how's, your, how's your fuse? Is it short? You get angry quick? Yeah. I said, tell me about your day. Okay, I do the church stuff all day. We've got all these screens. We're making the church news. We're doing all this stuff. And then I go home and I watch series. And then I play video games. And I said, how much are you sleeping? And he goes, well, really not much. About three hours, four hours. I said, at your age, you need eight and a half hours. And for the next 20 minutes, he had anxiety in front of me. Just just at me telling him, you, you must, without any technology in your bedroom... If you want your wall to come down, you want your, your brain to reset, you want to get into the deep levels of sleep, 
you must. And so for the next 20 minutes, he kept saying, he's, uh, I was talking to other people, and he'd say, so um, no games at night. And I, 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 he, was, he was having an anxiety, so I didn't, I didn't bag him out. Can I answer that, please? Please bring me that phone. Now, I'm just going to give you two more things and I'm done. One of the reasons that the tech executives in Silicon Valley send their children to Waldorf Steiner schools, basically the top tech executives at Yahoo, eBay, and all these, this is New York Times story, did a big piece on this, and it's in here. Do you trust me? I'm, I'm not exaggerating. It ended up on carte blanche. I mean, if I would have said it to them and lied, they would have trashed me. So I'm not lying to you. They send their kids to schools where they allow no technology at school or at home until they're 12 years of age. Brain reasons. The brain is in creative development between that time and screens kill it. So you're left with a child who is not creative. And all over the world, this is what happens to me. These kids like me. They believe all this stuff and they will say, for example, school holidays are here. What am I going to do? And what I say to them with compassion, I'll say, look, when I was your age, nobody had to tell me what to do. I was very creative. I did all kinds of stuff. Got in trouble sometimes for being too creative. Because we have guns. <laughs> and we like to... <laughs> and we really like our guns. <laughs> I digress. So, but, it, but, but I'm creative. And so I'm, I'm thinking about actually writing a book, a very simple book to give out in schools just a booklet on things they can do. Things that some of you and I would just think, this is ridiculous. They, they, they grew up with technology and their creativity has been squashed and they cannot, and that's why on that carte blanche piece, for those of you that I heard you giggling last night when you say climb trees and break bones, that's where that came from. It's on my video. And so they, I get handed carte blanche a hard drive and they use most of my video. And... And that's what I'm trying to get kids to teach them how to do it. So their creativity has been squashed. So I had a young teacher come up to me after a big audience was there. And he looked at me and he looked at that. And he looked down at me because I'm short. And he said, sincerely, he said, if I do that, how am I going to wake up? Like you, I thought things I didn't say. I looked up at this Nephilim and I thought to myself, Dear God, he's educating children. So I said, hey, why don't you just go to Walmart and buy a cheap alarm clock? And he went, oh yeah. <laughs> so because of him, I had to add this. I suspect he was young, he grew up with technology, smart guy, but no common sense. He can't work these very simple things out. That's what you'll do to your children if you give them games, social media, let them have tablets and stuff in their bedrooms. That's what you will do to them. So wait. I didn't say throw it away. I said wait. Did you hear what I said? I'm not anti-technology. I have a degree in nerddom. Now, here's one last thing. Two, two more things. They have anxiety when I put this on the screen because 100% do this. People do it in the office. It's very simple. Your brain switches. 
Every time there's a volume change and a new song comes on, you switch. Data leaves you. It's just just that simple. So learn to study either with white or pink noise, which is a fan that won't do it, but no music. And what I mean by this, kids come to me all the time and say, my house is noisy. My younger brother and sister, you know, we live traffic, and it distracts me, so I put on music. They're not lying. They're being sincere. I put on music to distract. But what they're actually doing is getting dopamine because music is very addictive. And so they're using that to get dopamine and to distract themselves from the boredom of the maths and the history and English. Make sense? But their grades deteriorate over time. So when they tell you, I have to have it, they're not lying to you. They're telling you the truth, but you need a detox. So the last thing I'll give you, and I'll take a few questions, that's how many hours a night a teenager needs. With silence, complete darkness, and no technology in the bedroom if you want them to be healthy. I'm working with counselors, psychologists right now, and I'm, I'm formulating a series of sheets that they will supplement their counseling with. And the top thing is, based on the age of their client, sleep. That's one, that's one of the four first things because many of the depression that, that, that depressions that people experience, not, not all depression will go away, but many of them will simply disappear if that becomes the lifestyle. Because when you accumulate a sleep deficit, you're going to get depressed. And they don't know why they're depressed. The others get the technology out of the bedroom. It's just start with this. And so I tell the counselors, so your clients come in, they're paying you, you give them the sheet, they come back the next week, and if they haven't checked the box off, you say, well, now you go do this and then come back. Most people don't. They will not do this. And you're left with one option, and that's medication. And it's unnecessary in most cases. Not every case, but it's unnecessary. Has this been helpful at all to you tonight? I love you. Okay, has it been good tonight? May I pray for you? Okay, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for such hunger. And Lord, I saw the anxiety as well. And I saw it because I've experienced it. So I bless my brothers and my sisters, my family here tonight, with your power, which is your grace, to deal with this. I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to follow each one of us around and constantly remind us that we are not to just be hearers of the Word, but we are to be doers, but not to rely on our strength, but your strength. So, with humble hearts, we come tonight and we admit we've overdone it, we're addicted, whatever it might be. So, Jesus, help us. Be the paraclete, the one who walks along beside us as we go through this journey of eye balance and what balance really is. So, Lord, instill this in my family here tonight, that Jesus is Lord. And so, Lord, help us to truly, honestly find out where the technology plays a part. But I'm asking you that that the intimacy will be so deep and so real by your manifest presence over this group that technology just naturally fades into the background and it serves us instead of us serving it. So bless my family with those things tonight and from this time forward and their children, grandchildren, their employees, whatever the case may be here tonight. 
It's in Jesus' name that I ask these things. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you.